0: of CCK Live. My name is Mike Lestrito and I am joined today by Kevin Medeiros and by Matthew Fusco. Um, Today we're going to be discussing VA disability ratings for wrist conditions. Veterans commonly experience wrist injuries and pain as a direct result of their military service. Um, So, today we will review some of the most common wrist conditions uh, among veterans and explain how each of those conditions are rated. So Matt, why don't we begin with you? Um, And maybe you can set us off talking a little bit about wrist pain.
1: Sure, so wrist injuries um, such as sprains and fractures often result in wrist pain. Wrist injuries often occur when a person falls um, because they tend to reach out with their hands to catch themselves and land on their wrist incorrectly. Wrist injuries can sometimes go unnoticed and lead to a delay in treatment. And uh, other causes of wrist pain, aside from a falling injury, can include things like a scaphoid fracture, which occurs when one of the small bones in the wrist, which is nearer to the thumb, uh, is fractured. This can often be so small that it's not detected on x-rays directly after the injury, and delaying treatment of a scaphoid fracture can typically cause additional complications and issues down the road. Another common cause of wrist pain are ganglion cysts, which occur on the wrist closer to the backside typically and can cause pain that may worsen with movement of the wrist. Repetitive stress or movement can also cause other conditions that lead to wrist pain, such as osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, The first osteoarthritis can occur in the wrist when the cartilage, which protects the ends of the bones, deteriorates over time. People with prior wrist injuries are uh, particularly more susceptible to developing osteoarthritis in the wrist. And rheumatoid arthritis occurs when a person's immune system actually attacks their own tissues. And unlike osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis will commonly affect both wrists rather than just one.
0: Yeah, Yeah, thank, thank you, Matt. And that is certainly a common condition that I see, I'm sure all of you see in our practice here representing veterans. Another very common condition, injury that we see, Kevin, um, is wrist tendinitis. And so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Um, tendinitis, like it sounds, uh, affects the tendons in the wrist, which are the, the tissue that connects the muscle to the bone. Um, and tendinitis is most commonly caused by inflammation. And that inflammation itself is generally caused when the... the uh, proteins in the tendons start to break down, and then they, as a result, become inflamed. Um, symptoms of tendinitis include um, swelling, like I mentioned, redness or warmth around the wrist, um, and sometimes a, a grinding sensation that, that, that you, know, you might feel with, with movement. Um, in some cases, tendinitis can be um, so severe or debilitating, that it needs to be remedied uh, via surgery. Otherwise, generally, tendinitis is treated with ice uh, and anti-inflammatory medication and limiting mobility of the wrist so as not to aggravate the condition. Sometimes also cortisone shots or hand therapy might be used to treat the condition. And uh, as far as the disability rating for tendinitis goes, the minimum rating is 10%, and then it can escalate from there depending on the uh, the severity of the condition.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Thank you, Kevin. Um, a- another condition that we see very commonly is, is carpal tunnel. Uh, carpal tunnel is a condition that occurs when one of the major nerves in the hand, the median nerve, is compacted or pinched really throughout the wrist. Um, symptoms of carpal tunnel include numbness, tingling, weakness in the hand or arm, and, and generalized pain. Uh, Treatment for carpal tunnel often involves wearing a wrist splint, uh, avoiding certain activities, uh, or in some situations, unfortunately, surgery. Some risk factors that tend to increase a person's chance of developing carpal tunnel uh, include heredity, but also repetitive hand use involving certain hand positions. Health conditions like diabetes, arthritis, thyroid, gland imbalance are all things that can serve as risk factors uh, for this condition. Um, VA typically rates carpal tunnel under the uh, diagnostic code 38 CF under the regulation 38 CFR section 4.124A in its schedule of ratings. And the specific diagnostic code for this condition is diagnostic code 8515. Um, The this uh, diagnostic code generally rates neurological conditions, um, but carpal tunnel specifically, the rating for it is based on paralysis of, again, that median nerve that we were talking about a second ago. Um, So for a rating of 70 or 60%, um, we're really looking for complete paralysis marked by the absence of flexion of the index finger uh, and feeble flexion of the middle finger an inability to make a fist, um, index and middle fingers remain extended, and an inability to flex distal uh, or a part of the thumb, weak inflection, um, different symptoms that are more severe, such as those. If we're looking for a uh, kind of a next step down for the rating, a 50% um, rating, we're looking at incomplete paralysis that's marked as severe. Um, Continuing down a 30% rating, we're looking at an incomplete paralysis that's deemed moderate. And then finally, a 10% rating, we're looking at incomplete paralysis that's mild. One thing to note is VA does not further define what constitutes mild, moderate, or severe. So unfortunately, veterans and veterans advocates are left having to uh, do, do a little guesswork or use the evidence that's in the file or develop the evidence in the case to determine or to show rather, uh, to demonstrate that the condition, the incomplete paralysis, is either mild, moderate, or severe. Again, complete paralysis will be um, uh, what a veteran would need to show in order to get the the max 60% rating. A higher rating is applied when carpal tunnel affects the dominant hand. So one one thing that I should just clarify is that for each of those different um, symptoms that I laid out, one of two different ratings can be applied. So for incomplete paralysis that's mild, we're looking at a 10% rating uh, regardless. But for incomplete paralysis that's moderate, we're looking at a 30% rating for a dominant hand or a 20% rating for the non-dominant hand. For incomplete paralysis that's severe, we're looking at a 50% rating again for the dominant hand um, and a 40% rating for the non-dominant hand. For complete paralysis, In the dominant hand, we're looking at a 70% rating, um, but again, a lesser rating of a 60% rating for the non-dominant hand. So again, VA is applying a lower percentage for the non-dominant hand as opposed to the veteran's dominant hand that has carpal tunnel.
1: Matt, um,
0: I know we've talked about a few different conditions that are very common um, so far for veterans and, uh, and, and how those conditions are rated. Um, Can you maybe walk us through the next condition that's pretty common that we see?
1: Sure. So bear with me on the pronunciation here, Um, but there's a condition called de Quervin's tenosynovitis, um, which is a form of tendonitis that affects the tendons towards the thumb, making it painful to turn the wrist, grab things, or form a fist. It is generally caused by repetitive overuse of the wrist, but sometimes it's caused by a direct injury, like a fracture or a sprain. Rheumatoid arthritis may also cause this condition, and risk factors such as sex, age, pregnancy, or jobs with repetitive wrist motion may increase uh, increase a person's chances of developing this disability. When issuing a rating for de Quervin's tenosynovitis, uh, VA will consider if the impairment is mild or reaching total paralysis. If the condition is affecting the Veteran's dominant hand, it will receive a higher rating. More on the topic of the rating for this condition, uh, motion limitation is generally the main determining factor for this rating criteria. For hand conditions such as de Quervin's tenosynovitis, the combined rating may not exceed 70% for the dominant hand and 60% for the non-dominant hand. In cases where the veteran is ambidextrous, the hand or arm which is affected by the condition is considered the dominant hand for rating purposes.
0: Yeah, and so this is kind of a common theme that we see, right, Matt, where, you know, the dominant hand is rated a little bit differently than the non-dominant hand. Um, And so it's important for veterans and veterans advocates, I think, to to keep that in mind when they're looking at the rating that's assigned or the, the rating that they're arguing for, because it does change, and the regulation does specify different ratings based on which hand is dominant, um, so it's it's something to keep in mind. I have seen some mistakes being made uh, or have been made um, in decisions where you know VA will not clearly uh, grant the higher rating, despite the fact that the condition, the risk condition, was clearly with the veteran's dominant hand. Uh, so that that's a, a great point that you that you address. Thank you, um, Kevin. Turning back to you. Um, The next condition that is kind of a common wrist condition we see in our practice is ankylosis of the wrist. Maybe you can walk us through that condition um, and also, again, how that condition is rated.
2: Yes. So uh, ankylosis is generally caused by um, arthritis. It can be osteoarthritis or, or other types of that condition, and it's the stiffness of the joint due to abnormal adhesion and rigidity. So basically the wrist becomes um, so fixed in one place that it's difficult for the the veteran to move it. Ankylosis basically means that there's no no movement in the joint um, from where the the joint is actually placed, so where it it sits. Um, The ratings are um, under diagnostic code 5214. In favorable ankylosis, um, in 20 degrees to 30 degrees of dorsiflexion, which is um, bringing the wrist upwards, um, warrants a 30 or 20% rating, depending on whether it's the um, dominant hand or non dominant hand every, as we've been discussing. Uh, any other position of, of ankylosis would be a 40 or 30% rating. Um, An unfavorable ankylosis which would be the wrist fixed and palm in palm flexion, and its downward movement would be a 50 or 40% rating. Um, as we've been discussing, those different ratings are based on which hand is dominant. And then um, for cases where the joint is ankylosed in an extremely unfavorable position, um, where basically functionally the veteran has no more use of the hand. VA has separate, um, a separate diagnostic code that accounts for when joints are um, specifically found to be without any functioning whatsoever and that's or the, basically no functional um, use of the joint and they, that's rated as loss of use of the hand And that's under diagnostic code 5215. So there are varying um, ratings for ankylosis depending on how and where the the joint is fixed. But when it comes down to having basically no functional ability of the joint at all, there there are ratings available that contemplate the the inability to use the hand.
0: One thing that is is critical uh, for VA, VA relies heavily upon, Uh, in order to rate these conditions are compensation and pension examinations or VA exams or CMP exams as they are known. Um, These are exams that I am sure many veterans are familiar with who have been through the process. Um, But in order to assess the veteran's condition, VA oftentimes will request a CMP exam uh, to assess the veteran's risk condition. Um, As we have been talking a little bit here today, Um, Many of these conditions are rated by loss of range of motion. And so, in order for VA to um, assess the condition and then rate the condition, oftentimes they need to see the veteran in person, conduct the range of motion testing, and then derive a rating that's based on that range of motion testing. Um, The compensation and pension exams really allow VA to collect more information regarding the condition. Uh, to, number one, establish if it's related to service. But assuming that we've established that the condition is related to service, then, like we've been saying, uh, accurately, hopefully accurately uh, rate the condition. During the CMP exam, veterans should be aware that the wrist condition will likely be evaluated based on uh, a, a, you know range of motion testing, as we've been discussing, but also potentially x-rays. Um, and so, since risk conditions such as carpal tunnel are sometimes misdiagnosed as other chronic conditions, the exam can help to ensure that veterans receive the correct diagnosis. Um, veterans may also wish to fill out a DBQ form on their own. I think this is actually a, a really good recommendation. Um, oftentimes, as many veterans are well aware, uh, the CMP exam, the, the VA exam, doesn't accurately or completely capture. The entire disabling effect of their condition. Uh, you know, veterans often complain that they're only in a CNP exam for a, a mere matter of minutes. Um, and perhaps on that one particular day that they're being seen, their condition isn't um, acting up or isn't flaring up um, or isn't as bad as it had been, you know, for the preceding five years. And so supplementing the record, I think, with your own DBQ form, um, which is Shorthand for disability benefits questionnaire form, which can be filled out, uh, downloaded from VA, and, and then filled out um, from a private provider, or even just the submission of lay evidence, affidavits. All of that evidence, um, including potentially treatment records from a private healthcare provider, can help to establish a veteran's claim and show that perhaps even if the CMP exam, the VA exam, is unfavorable or didn't entirely capture. The extent of the veteran's condition. There's other evidence, private evidence that can supplement the record and detail just ex- you know ex- exactly how severe and how limiting the condition is. For conditions, for risk conditions that are extremely severe or otherwise impact a veteran's ability to perform, uh, uh, you know, different aspects of employment. Matt, I'm going to turn to you next. Maybe you can talk a little bit about veterans' options. Um, what they could potentially apply for, what they could, uh, you know, supplement the record with to apply for the TDIU benefit based on uh, the disabling effects of the risk condition?
1: Sure. So, veterans with risk conditions may be entitled to total disability based on individual unemployability or TDIU for short. Um, I will just know we discussed TDIU in a lot more detail in other videos, so feel free to check those out to get some additional information about this particular benefit. But to touch on it briefly, TDIU is a disability benefit that compensates veterans at the 100% level, but what makes TDIU special is that it is available to those veterans who may not regularly or um, numerically meet the criteria needed to reach that 100% rating. So, in order to be eligible for this benefit, a veteran needs to show that their service-connected disabilities cause them to be unable to secure and follow substantially gainful employment. And gainful employment refers to the ability to support oneself financially through your occupation. There are two main pathways to TDIU. Again, we get into this in a lot more detail in TDIU-specific videos, but, but those two main categories are a scheduler and extra scheduler. And if a veteran does not meet the criteria for scheduler TDIU, they may still be eligible for extra scheduler TDIU um, based on their risk conditions, based on other conditions. But those are the two main pathways in order to secure that particular benefit. So Matt, extra
0: scheduler, that that just means that the veteran does not meet the specific percentage requirements prescribed by law for VA to um, at least initially grant TDIU. Is that correct? And so what you're saying is, despite the fact that they may not meet those specific prescribed ratings, they can nevertheless apply and argue for TDIU based on the severity and limiting impact of the risk conditions. Yeah, yeah. and that's 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 really key and really great, um, I think, to highlight. Um, you know, as we've been discussing here, a lot of the ratings um, for risk conditions are uh, far less than the total one hundred percent you know rating. So, f- for instance, you know, if we were looking again at carpal tunnel of the dominant hand and say a veteran were assigned a seventy percent rating, um, despite the fact that they may not qualify for a um, total disability rating of a one hundred percent rating, TdiU is still available if the veteran can show that you know that risk condition, um, and really, any other service-connected conditions that they have in combination um, preclude the veteran from, uh, you know, securing or maintaining substantially gainful employment. So it's really, I think, you know, you highlighted that perfectly, and I think that's really critical for veterans to keep in mind. Um, it, it's a shortcut, essentially, to being compensated at the 100% rate, despite the fact that they may not otherwise reach that 100% rate through the incremental additions of their of their ratings. So uh, I think I think that about does it. Um, Appreciate everyone tuning in today. Uh, For more information, please visit our blog, uh, as well as our other videos that are located on YouTube. Um, And as always, please don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Thank you.